0: Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Welcome to Money Talk, the longest-running weekly personal finance radio show in Wisconsin. Annex Wealth Management is a proud member of the Barron's Top Advisor List and the Financial Times Top 300 List know
1: the difference now here are your hosts
0: dave spano and mark oswald
1: and here we go it's money talk annex wealth management saturday september 14th dave is what drying his yard out something like like the rest of (laughs) us yeah no kidding yeah my name is andy clayton uh good morning mark oswald good morning And Derek Felsky, good morning. Good morning, Danny. So the golf course is a little soggy for you? What what does this kind of weather do?
2: Well, I'm going to be out there later today, I believe. If you must. If I must. If you Um, must. You know, it's a short season here and I want to take advantage of it.
1: Still to come on the show, Destination Retirement. Are we there yet? We're about to uh, get going with what I think is
3: probably our most popular workshop. It certainly is. And we have a lot of people, obviously, that are interested in that topic, retirement for sure. And so if you're interested in that, hang around around the bottom of the hour. We're going to have details on our next session.
1: There you go. Also, Jill Martin, our estate planning attorney, talking about leaving money to minors, the right way to do that. There's, uh, there's things you need to
3: know, and she's going to cover that. But let's start with our week in review. Well, for sure. Derek, you know, when you start thinking about where we were in December of 2018 and what was going on in the markets. There's been a lot that's been going on, a lot of volatility this summer. August was pretty volatile. September, we saw some volatility. But at the end of the day, we're back to being less than a half a percent away from the all-time on the S&P 500. So talk about what was the catalyst this week for the market movement.
2: Well, there were really multiple catalysts. One, just pure price momentum algorithms kind of changing their buying tenor from being sellers to being buyers. But, you know, we saw positive consumer data we saw a better-than-expected retail sales report yesterday. We also saw uh, U.S. and China trade tensions recede dramatically. The president, for example, extended for two weeks in position of an additional 5% tariffs on $250 billion in Chinese goods from October 1st to October 15th. The Chinese then responded by removing tariffs on soybeans and pork. So clearly, you know, we're setting up for a, a low-level meeting this month between a administration and Chinese authorities,
3: hopefully followed by a bigger meeting in October. And then we also had, you know, some monetary policy moves during the week with the ECB cutting their rates again and increasing their bond buying to about 22 billion dollars a month in bonds that they're buying. So a lot of things that are going on that are impacting the markets, both the bond market and the stock market. Big move in the bond market this week. Oh, absolutely. As, as we had said any number of times over the past
2: several weeks, we saw an unprecedented rally in the Treasury market, and we suggested that our clients and those that listened on this show, rebalance their portfolios away from higher duration fixed income instruments, which will go down if interest rates rise. And so we've seen the tenure in 10 days go from 1.43% to 1.88%. And that, I think, is a manifestation of people looking at equities, looking at fixed income, and agreeing with us that equities
3: are a better bargain at these levels. And you start to get away from that inverted yield curve or that flat yield curve when you start to see that the yields on the longer end coming up And you've got the Fed next week coming together for their meeting when we expect to see another quarter point drop on the short end of the yield curve. Both of those things are healthy for the yield curve, healthy for the economy.
2: Yeah. And again, we mentioned over and over again that the yield curve is not necessarily a predictor of a recession. It has happened previous to the last five recessions but there have been several cases where not, no re- recession followed and it's just another reason why when you manage investment portfolios you got to go beyond the headlines and you've got to look at the whole picture not just what you're seeing from one indicator but any number of other indicators and when the consumer is as strong as they have been in the United States and rates are as low as they are currently it's very hard to anticipate a recession barring some sort of stock market calamity that could damage confidence so
3: you always hear people say don't fight the fed so thank- monetary policy is one of the primary movers of the market. You talk about trade, U.S. companies being able to trade around the world is a big deal of course. And then of course you've got the consumer, 70% of the GDP in this country is consumer spending. Prices of oil have come down. They're talking about a surplus of oil in 2020, which would bring the prices down further. That's essentially a tax break for consumers. People have more money in their pockets. They're spending more money. All those things are healthy for the market. Any changes right now to the portfolio from our investment committee?
2: Uh, we've made a couple of changes in our equity income strategy this week. We actually sold an energy holding that we felt uh, really lacked the forward guidance and fundamentals we view to be important in a dividend focused strategy and basically raised some cash. You know, the fear and greed index, which we talk about a lot on this show, was hovering the low 20s for most of the month of. Of August and a good part of September, it's back to 67. So that's an elevated level. So this isn't necessarily a suggestion that people sell things, but it's certainly a suggestion that things have rallied a lot. Over 20% of the stocks in the SP 500 are up 10% or more in the last two weeks. That's a pretty significant move when interest rates are at two. So unless you're really greedy, you take a look and you perhaps prune one or two names that you have less confidence in so that you have some dry power to buy during another period of volatility following one of those infamous tweets and we know are coming at some point.
3: And if you're one of those people who have not yet rebalanced their portfolio, now is an opportunity to do that when you've got the bond markets moving and the stock markets moving the way they did again this week. Great opportunity for rebalancing.
1: And we can help. Just head to AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. You can get going. If you do it on a Saturday, we can get you going next week. Again, AnnexWealth.com. It's 1013 at WTMJ. This is Money Talk a baron's Top Advisor, a member
0: of the Financial Times Top 300, and a Journal Sentinel Top Workplace.
1: Know the difference. This is Money Talk on WTMJ. And we're back. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday, September 14th. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Also, while you're there, sign up for the Axiom, which is our weekly newsletter. That'll arrive tomorrow morning. You'll be able to do a nice, quick read on a variety of subjects. We think it's quite good, absolutely free. Don't have to be a client for that. Also, subscribe to the Annex
3: Wealth Management YouTube channel. You know, Derek, in the first segment, we talked a little bit about the yield curve and what happened to the 10-year bond this week, certainly a steepening of the long end of that yield curve. And now we expect the FOMC next week to lower rates on the short end, and that makes a more natural yield curve. But it does something else as well. You start thinking about the Fed putting liquidity into the markets by making money more available to businesses and consumers.
2: Yeah, you do. Um, M2 has expanded at roughly 9% over the last three months, and and some had pointed to that as a reason why we saw a little bit of a slowdown in the economy here and also overseas. The other thing it does, too, is it really alters what you need to think about tactically when you manage a portfolio. For example, we hold financials in our model portfolios and in all of our client portfolios whether we have tactical positions, and the thought there was banks were just too cheap to ignore. Granted, the fundamentals weren't great, right? The yield curve was inverted. That's not a good situation for banks. But pass is not prologue. And to the degree that the yield curve starts to steepen, banks ought to start coining money at very, very reasonable valuations. Not to mention the fact that given rate that rates are low and default risk
3: is low, bank balance sheets are as healthy as they've been since well before the financial crisis. So you start looking at our sectors of our market. We look at 11 different sectors as an investment committee and we say, where do we want to be tactically? Where do we want to avoid? We always say on this show, sometimes it's about what you own and sometimes it's about what you don't own. And certainly I think that that is holding true right now with the utilities and some of the staples and some of the other sectors that aren't performing quite as well.
2: Yeah, they'd had a fabulous year and the valuations got pretty excessive as people were were chasing yield. And and generally speaking, Mark, when I think about our, our sector allocations and what we're holding tactically, we typically have four sector allocations at any given point in time four out of those eleven and generally three of them are working and one of them is not fortunately at least in my book given the discipline on that committee is we recognize that all of the sectors that we believe tactically are due to outperform don't do it simultaneously so we want to have a little bit of ballast to windward if you will because we don't want to put all our eggs in one basket get over our skis and get
3: whipsawed because we're too heavy in one direction And you think about technology for instance you think about 5g coming down the line maybe next year the year after that and you can start to do things now in the portfolio from a technology standpoint, thinking that some of the companies that we're investing in today, you know, if the, if the sector performs well or holds its own in the current environment, but we expect it to do well in the long term, we can be tactical in that sector because leading economic indicators and things like that that we look at on the committee will steer us in the tactical decisions that we make with the committee and where our investor money goes.
2: And typically money follows earnings, and if you have a theme, a broad-based theme like the deployment of 5G across the globe, that's a theme that overwhelms the cyclicality of the market and the economy. So even though the economy will be slowing, the spending there will occur. There's no doubt it will because there's a race to provide those services and all the ancillary services that will develop from it. So the incentive is clearly there. In fact, it's one of the key things that's coming up in trade is how is the U.S. going to respond to Huawei? Well, our guess is that you'll have a small deal, Huawei will somehow avoid some of the more draconian measures that Trump had suggested initially. The Chinese will like that and perhaps you know make some accommodations on intellectual property theft or opening markets
3: to financial services companies in China. The other thing we're going to look at next week is, again, the FOMC and the rate cut and the impact that that's going to have on the U.S. dollar. Generally, what you'd start to see is a weaker dollar if you are lowering rates. That's also good for U.S. companies that are investing around the world. So all kinds of good things going on right now from an investor standpoint. These are the kinds of things that we take into consideration on the investment committee. If you're a do-it-yourselfer, these are the things you should be looking at. And God love you if you are, but if you need some help with your portfolio, now is a good time again to look at that rebalance of your portfolio it would be a great opportunity going into the last part of the year
1: it sure would and you can start at annexwealth.com location wise elm grove mequon lake country appleton downtown inside the fister and coming soon a sixth location that comes up our announcement a little bit later on in the show plus annex everywhere which is simple screen share technology details annexwealth.com the longest-running weekly personal finance radio show
0: in Wisconsin. This is Money Talk on WTMJ know the difference. It's
1: Team Tech Trust, a team segment. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, Annex Wealth Management, CFP, CDFA, and Wealth Manager at Annex. Welcome back, Deanne.
4: Hey, thanks for having me, Danny.
1: It's destination retirement. Are we there yet season, right? Yeah, well, fall is starting to turn, and and that workshop has been a big hit. I mean, that's at the core of what Annex does. That's what we do. We help people.
4: transformations, right, and that's one of the big ones.
1: Yep, and it's a low-key learning opportunity. We're not trying to sell you anything. We're just trying to help, and it's sounds like help is needed because retirement is one of the top 10 most stressful life events. It shouldn't be, but it sure is.
4: It is. It's actually number 10. It's right up there with death, divorce, reconciliation, which is stressful too, illness, and even changing residences.
1: Oh, is it because people have to go through so much or make so many decisions? What is it?
4: Yeah. Transitions are difficult. And the older we get, the more resident, I think, we get toward them. So it really helps when you have a partner who can help keep your focus on what you want.
1: One of the things that Destination Retirement, Are We There Yet? covers his right sizing in retirement. Tell me about that.
4: Well, this is really what we discuss, instead of assuming that everyone wants to downsize, we say right-sizing. Actually, there's quite a majority of retirees, about a third, who upsize to a larger place in retirement, believe it or not. And you may think, wow, why? Well, they want to have room for all the grandkids, or they want to have room for guests, and they want to host. This is a very individualized decision, but actually many people stay the same size, but they might move locations. Maybe they go to a warmer climate, or they want to move into a ranch instead of having to worry about As they age dealing with the stairs?
1: You've done lots of these presentations, and I'm going to guess when you look at a room full of people, every single person there has a different expectation of retirement, and that's okay.
4: Yeah, that's the way it should be, and that's why it's not a solution one size fits all. So almost everyone has that initial expectation of something like retirement, no alarm clock, right? No expectations, less stress, no boss telling me what to do. So... We kind of call that the honeymoon period, but that's our first expectation, I think
1: do we need to ask, who will I be in retirement? And to me, I think I'm going to be the perfect lawn guy and the organized basement guy, but that only goes for so far.
4: It does. So definitely our dominant personality traits don't magically go away when we hit that retirement button. So A-types continue to be A-type personalities. They might need, for example, not just a volunteer, but maybe coordinate volunteers for an event, right? They need to continue on in their strengths and they need to feel relevant socially, mentally, and emotionally. Everyone does in retirement and that involves usually a connection to society in some way now it can mean different things to different people some might need to work but maybe at a job that makes their soul sing a little different a little less stress some need to give back to the community and some people just simply need to decompress how about
1: couples right all of a sudden they're thrown together many more hours than they're used to
4: There is. And, you know, especially if they go through what we call discordant retirement, where one retires before the other. Danny, this is why there are so many books that have written being called Surviving My Spouse's Retirement, right? And really just kind of finding yourselves again. I mean, think about it. You built these decades together, but you've both really kind of spent more time apart than together usually. Maybe you've raised the kids, now all of a sudden you're thrown back in an empty nest together trying to figure it out.
1: A lot of the fun stuff is kind of the planning stuff, but outliving assets, is that a danger?
4: It is, so if we think back to the 60s and 70s, or maybe even our parents' generation, they would retire maybe at age 65 and actuarially only live five to seven years. Now, people are retiring, and it can be decades of retirement. The average time in retirement actually now is 15 years, so it's doubled up over the last several decades. And because of this, we need to pay extra attention to cash flows and maybe legacy planning also.
1: So when we meet with people who might become clients of Annex Wealth Management, this is stuff we go through, right? We plot Absolutely. this out. We go through the risk lies, we go through. We go through all of that. They can see it. You bet. Destination Retirement, are we there yet? The fall courses are going to start soon. Potholes, I'm sure there are.
4: There certainly are. Um, And you know, very few people actually know or have an idea of what they'll need in retirement. Only about 20% actually have given it thought. So one of the first exercises is saving enough and knowing on the way to retirement, what you will need monetarily. Now, we want you and of course you want you to retire into the kind of environment that you want so you have to give thought to again who will i be because you're substituting time that you spent at work all of a sudden you have this time at home so you've been working earning the paycheck now you're at home with free time guess what ching ching a lot of people spend a lot more initially than they thought they would and our hobbies tend to be a little bit more expensive too so how you spend your time is pivotal because time is money in a lot of cases and you know travel that can actually be built into a financial plan. When you're in retirement, the timing of cash flows is major. The planning that happens, including when to take Social Security, the timing on when to turn on that pension if you're lucky enough to have one, how to manage health care, where do you get it from? Do you go to the exchange? Do you use COBRA? Do you go on your spouses? How and when should you do or should you do Roth conversions before you hit 70 and a half? And then at, at that age, you have to take those required minimum distributions from a retirement plan, also called RMDs. So there's a lot of decisions you make from when you push that theoretical retirement button and when you turn 70 and a half.
1: There's an art and there's a science to it. That's what Annex Wealth Management does, right? So let's talk about the fall series Destination Retirement. Are we there yet?
4: Right. So we are going to be giving this multiple times in the Milwaukee area on Wednesday, September 18th starting at 6 p.m. in our own Annex Wealth Management Mequon office on Mequon Road. We'll be doing it again on Tuesday, September the 24th, again at 6 p.m. in our mothership, our Elm Grove office uh, on Blue Mound, and then we'll be doing it again on Wednesday, October the 9th at 6 p.m. in our Delafield, our Annex Wealth Management Lake Country location.
1: As always, details on everything we're doing at Annex at AnnexWealth.com. Just click that Events tab and you are up to date. Dion Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you for
4: joining us. Thank you for having me as always, Danny.
1: Team Tech
0: Trust. Money Talk is straight talk from a local fee-only fiduciary.
1: It's time to know the difference. This is Money Talk on WTMJ. Yeah, We're back. It's time for Ask Annex. Boy, we got a bunch this week. Let's get right to it. first one is from Will. Should investors be optimistic about the upcoming U.S. trade talks?
2: Yeah, I mean, I actually think they should be. I think we've seen a a de-escalation of the rhetoric in the last several weeks. Up to this point, they've had meetings, but the only result of that has been more tariffs, which clearly is not what anybody wants. Nothing has really materially changed ahead of these meetings, but as as they're ongoing, it's becoming increasingly apparent these tariffs are having a negative effect, not just on the Chinese economy, but also on the U.S. economy. And I think that's going to bring the
3: negotiators back to the table. I kind of look at the tea leaves a little bit, too, and you think about the pushing back right now of the tariffs that were supposed to be imposed on october 1st right now we only moved back two weeks to october 15th but there's supposed to be some low level conversations in september higher level conversations in october so you wonder if those two things coincide a little bit maybe we get a mini deal right now on some of the issues and then maybe they start working towards a bigger deal long term
2: yeah and, and perhaps make the election a referendum on how the united states want to do, wants to deal with china going forward
1: it's Ask Annex. Our next one is from Mark. The S&P has broken out of the 2822-2945 range. Now what? Didn't it spend most of the week above three thousand?
2: Yeah, I mean, I felt like a bobblehead most of August, right? We're up, we're down, we're up, we're down. But basically what what we're seeing is we did break out of that range. Um, Valuations, of course, have gotten a little richer because earnings have been roughly flat. But you don't see a lot of speculative enthusiasm. You don't see, you know, high call put ratios. You don't see, you know, great momentum stocks or one sector leading the markets. And finally, what you also see is the consumer discretionary stocks, not just the United States but overseas, have started to turn. The Chinese stock market is actually up more than the U.S. stock market this year, and that could suggest that perhaps global growth is close to bottoming and we could get, see a re re-acceleration of global growth going into 2020.
1: Guys, quick question. Uh, the Dow is the number that gets reported the most in the news, but the S&P 500, is that a little bit more important, or w- what is the
3: major difference? Why do we watch that one? Well, it's broader. I mean, you're talking about 500 companies in a lot of different sectors. When you're talking about blue chips, those Big 30 stocks, you know, different industries, but it's a subsection of the broader markets.
1: Got it. Next one's from Oscar on Ask Annex. What do you think the chances are of a reprise of last year's market weakness in the fourth quarter?
3: You know, Derek, I think we have to look back at last December and November and just remind people what happened at that time. Some people probably don't need a reminder, but we had a really, really tough December in the markets. We recovered all of that and then some, but it was tough. What's the chances right now? Or what's different this year than what we saw last year? That probably won't make that happen again.
2: Well, there are a couple of things. On December 24th, the S&P was trading at about 14 and a half times. Uh, next 12 months earnings, which is a very a reasonably low valuation given where interest rates were at that time. But the other thing that was happening then also is the Fed had most recently tightened at the beginning of December, and they obviously made a policy error, which people started to extrapolate. It led to the inversion of the yield curve. It led to a, a slowdown in bank lending and the like. But now the Fed's on the other side of the coin. They've already cut rates once. They're, likely to, they're very likely to cut rates again next week. And as you mentioned earlier, fighting the Fed is a fool's enterprise. It is Ask Annex. This one's from Morgan.
1: With the State Attorneys General announcing an investigation into Google, how does that impact
3: your view on tech regulation? Well, it's interesting because you look at the Fang stocks and the ones that are under attack, Facebook, Google, Amazon, Netflix, all those companies are, are in, in the crosshairs to a certain extent. And I think that the cost of regulation, the cost of defense has become just a cost to these companies. I think they start to look at the sanctions that they're having around the world as being a part of doing business. So I don't know that it materially affects the stock price of a company like that when it's kind of baked into their cost structure. Yeah, I mean, I
2: just remember back when you know, Microsoft was subject to- the same kind of scrutiny about 15 20 years ago and and basically the stock was dead money for about a decade and you know a lot of their efforts were spent on defending themselves about whether or not they were you know trying to to basically clobber netscape and other challengers to their uh, franchise but it is something to pay attention to and the other thing we reason we pay a lot of attention to it is many of these companies are very large weightings in these uh, these indexes especially the s&p 500 and the forward trajectory of their prices will impact that index dramatically
1: and as ask annex on money talk annex wealth management it is ten forty. about 15 minutes ago uh, Dean phillips was talking about destination retirement are we there yet Gotten a couple of questions about when that happens. Uh, the first one, and this is the fall series, happens next Wednesday, Wednesday the 18th, 6 o'clock at Annex Wealth Management, Mequon office. Then Tuesday, September 24th, 6 o'clock at Annex Wealth Management in Elm Grove. And Wednesday, October 9th, 6 o'clock at Annex Wealth Management, Lake Country. Complete details at AnnexWealth.com. Just click that events tab. Planning and investment insight from a fee-only fiduciary. And we put that in writing. You're listening to Money Talk on WTMJ. Know the difference? It's Team Tech Trust at Annex Wealth Management. Joe Martin is the estate planning attorney here, and she works with clients on a wide array of matters, including what we're going to talk about today. Welcome back. Thanks, Danny. Leaving money to minors. Now, I'm thinking trust fund babies. I think that's the first phrase that comes to mind, and I've known some. And they've been, A, insufferable, and B, it hasn't gone well.
5: Well, it depends on A, the dollar amount, but trust funds are generally actually a pretty good idea. And I think today we'll talk about what are some of the alternatives and maybe you might get turned around that the trust fund might be the better of the four.
1: Okay. All right. Here we go. The typical arrangement, right? Spouses would leave money to the other spouse in the event that one of them died, right? That's a the beneficiary the that's primary that's
5: a pretty typical estate plan where okay. you know married couple leaves everything to each other and then when the second of them passes it passes on to the kids
1: but it doesn't always work that way right if something tragic happened but then there's plenty of single parents too
5: correct and so it's important to think about if something happened to you and you were the sole Parent that was alive, whether it's because a spouse predeceased or passed away at a very young age, or there's a divorce and, and they're just not yeah. in a picture anymore, those types of things. It's important for people to think about.
1: So I was reading up about this and I came across the phrase property management. And that seemed really clinical, like it was a series of buildings or something. <laughs> property management. What do you think about that?
5: So property management, I guess how I would look at it from my lens and doing this for a long time is is when 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 you leave money to minors, they don't have capacity to own any. So you become an adult once you legally turn 18. So what happens is is when you leave something to someone who's under 18, somebody needs to manage it. Whether it's they get left a house, somebody needs to take care of that house for those children, somebody needs to manage finances or a bank account for those kids. That's what I guess property management would be, but I guess I don't I don't term it in that kind of phrase.
1: It made me think sure there is more than money. There's there's a house, there's there's other stuff, boats, there's cars. Absolutely. So to properly pass money to kids, is this set up via a will or is this a trust?
5: It can be both or it can be none of the above. (laughs) So (laughs) what happens is we work with a lot of clients who they use beneficiary designations, right? So maybe they say I leave my IRA to my spouse and in the event that my spouse passes away before I do, I leave it to my kids. That's a very typical kind of estate plan and beneficiary designation form. The issue there becomes if all of a sudden both spouses have passed away and those kids are minors, they're going to inherit that IRA as minors. And so then all of a sudden they've got IRAs that they need to deal with, and, and we have to figure out what to do with them.
1: I saw the phrase court-appointed guardians. That seems a little distant to me. Is that like where they'll summon somebody from room 312 in the courthouse, and all it's like a public defender? That's your court-appointed guardian?
5: It's not. Oh, so, good. so what happens is, is if, if you have minor children, and you normally in a will would list who would be the guardian of those children in the event that you passed away and they're still minors, what that looks like is, is there's two types of guardianship. There's guardian of the person. Who are they going to live with? Who's going to take them to school and coordinate, you know, the vacations and all of those types of things. But then there's also a guardian of the estate and that's the person who manages the property, right? That we just kind of talked about. So normally in a will, you appoint someone to be that person. They can be the same. They don't have to be different, but you're picking who that's going to be. In the absence of a will, likely what's going to happen is an interested family member is going to come forward and ask to be appointed by the court. So it's not that it's, yeah, the random person from down the hall in the courtroom that happens to be available. It is going to be someone that is known to the family that the court is going to basically pass judgment on and say that this is the appropriate person.
1: Talking to Jill Martin about passing money to kids many different ways, many different situations. Let's talk about something called the UTMA, the UTMA. What does that stand for? So
5: UTMA is a lovely acronym in our legal world. I hear it a lot. It's the Uniform Transfers to Minors Act. And what that is, is that allows you to transfer property in a little bit more efficient way than having this full guardianship of the estate that comes into play. Because the guardianship of the estate has annual court filings, and the guardian is going to have to go to court and get permission to make distributions for the benefit of that minor, right? Right. And guardianships terminate when that child turns 18. UTMAs are a statutory creation that basically allows someone to create an account where they name someone as a custodian to take care of that money for the minor. The difference with the UTMA account is it extends it out to 21 at least, but it also doesn't have the court supervision over it. So that custodian who's who's taking care of those funds can use those funds for the minor without having to get court approval to do everything.
1: So UTMA, to me, and I didn't go to as much law school as you did, sounds cleaner, better?
5: Uh, depends on your facts and circumstances is my answer in my legal world, okay. right? The difference is, is the guardianship is very, very supervised so that the court is going to ensure those funds are used for the benefit of that minor. The UTMA account doesn't have the court involvement. So if you pick a custodian who's not real great with money, they could start potentially siphoning that money off for themselves rather than for the minor so there's some pros and cons with both of them that depends on who it is that you trust to be that person but generally the utma is going to be less invasive from a an administrative standpoint
1: so no matter what when the when the person the kid turns 21 they get it all
5: that is going to be their account going forward and so what happens is is you know, like at Annex, we have we have UTMA accounts for clients where maybe a grandparent set it up for a child. Right. And so what happens is, is legally that child becomes the owner of that account when they're 21. And therefore, they have full control over that account.
1: Could that be a disaster?
5: 18, 21, right. 40. I don't know. <laughs> yes. I
1: mean, right. <laughs> <laughs>
5: depending on what's going on with your facts and circumstances, any age could be detrimental. But a lot of people tend to think that 18 and 21 might be a little young for people to inherit money.
1: My research has shown, yes, that is the case. So can you do it where somebody would inherit the money at 30 or or later? Or-
5: yeah, so that's where you can use trusts. Instead of leaving money just to the minor outright, which creates the guardianship or into an UTMA account, people will use trusts as part of their estate plan. So you can do this under the will or under a revocable trust that you use. But basically, instead of leaving it to my son Bob... I'm leaving it in trust for my son, Bob. And what that does is that creates a trustee who's going to be responsible for that property management, making distributions. But you get to customize the terms and conditions that Bob gets to make distributions for and the age at which that trust would terminate, if at all.
1: It sounds complicated and it sounds like something definitely people need professional help on. Jill, that's what you do for our clients. Absolutely. Jill Martin, estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you.
5: You're welcome.
1: Looking for a quick and easy way to pick up seven weekly insights that'll make you a smarter, saver, and investor? Sign up for Annex Wealth Management's Axiom. The Axiom is packed with useful information, great articles, and highlights from our radio shows. It's not complicated or filled with jargon and sales pitches. It's a tool for greater education and understanding of your finances. Sign up today at AnnexWealth.com slash Axiom, and you're in. It's absolutely free, and you don't have to be a client. The Axiom, A-X-I-O-M, from Annex Wealth Management, team, tech, trust. Annex Wealth. W277CV and WTMJ Milwaukee.
0: From the Annex Wealth Management Studio, this is News Radio WTMJ. Custom tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference.
1: This is Money Talk on WTMJ. Team Tech Trust Money Talk Annex Wealth Management. Saturday, September 14th. Website AnnexWealth.com. Hit that Get Started button. Get that free portfolio analysis. Sign up for the Axiom and subscribe to our Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel. Locations, here we go. Elm Grove, Mequon, Lake Country, Appleton, downtown, inside the Fister. If you're listening to WTMJ, you can use Annex everywhere. In fact, that's just simple screen share technology. And what do I see but another location? You missed one. I was kind of leading up to it. <laughs> I, I, I will tell you this. So I'm driving southbound 43 into work in the morning, and there on that beautiful left hand Reed billboard, Annex Wealth Management supporting UW
3: Athletics. So that kind of is a hint. It is. And, you know, if you're a, a Badger alumni and there's no football game this Saturday, unfortunately, but uh, we're getting geared up for Michigan next week. But in the meantime, we have uh, forged a relationship with the university athletic department and the alumni to provide wealth management services to anybody in Madison, but specifically working with the university. And I think it really acknowledges, again, the movement within our industry towards the fee-only concept and the fiduciary concept of working with somebody. When you get into a relationship with somebody like the University of Wisconsin, I mean, it's pretty heady stuff. It's a great, great organization, wonderful alumni association. I've got many, many friends that went to school there. One son graduated from there. So You've written a couple checks there. I've written there. some tuition checks there, yeah, my friends. And uh, when I think about being in Madison, I think about the opportunities because there's so much going on in Madison. It's growing. It's it's a tech savvy environment right now. You've got a lot of things going on there that is this mini kind of, uh, you know, technology boom that's going on in Madison. So we're really excited to be there. There's a lot of people in Dane County, they're going to get an opportunity to come out and see us and learn about a fiduciary relationship and the difference that a fee-only advisor makes. So we're happy to open that office over in uh, Middleton and be servicing the Madison market.
1: Well, we've got uh, offices in Appleton, too. And I remember about a year ago, I said, well, how do we wind up in Appleton? And you said people asked. They said,
3: could we have the same type of service that we hear about with WTMJ's Big Signal in Appleton? Well, you listened to this show now for more than a couple of decades, and where callers were coming from, it was the Manitowocs and it was Appleton and it was Green Bay and it was Little Shoot and, and on and on and on and we said well we need to take services to these people the same things happening in Madison is we're getting people who are sending these ask annex questions coming from Dane County and the demand has gotten so high that people have said if you were in Madison we'd love to do business with you if you were in Madison we'd like the idea of a fiduciary relationship the message is resonating folks and I think that's really important because people are starting to get the difference they're starting to understand the difference between a commission sales relationship in a fiduciary relationship, and that's really healthy.
1: It's interesting that you mention that because we just did four Ask
3: Annex questions. One was from Fort Atkinson, and the other was from Middleton. (laughs) There you go. There you go. So, Derek, wrapping things up, as we head into next week, what are we looking forward to as an investment committee? We've got the FOMC meeting, of course, coming up. We're going to probably get a rate cut. It's going to impact the markets. It could be baked in already. It could set the markets off forward. Even some more changes to both fixed income and equity portfolios going forward.
2: Well, Mark, as you mentioned, the FOMC meeting will take center stage. We fully expect a, a rate cut as a result of that meeting. Uh, the other thing I'd think about, too, is you know, we had a severe downward downdraft in bond prices this week, with rates rising rather dramatically, particularly over the last 10 days. I'd expect that to be digested to some degree. And then the other thing I'd point out to our listeners is seasonality becomes very positive for us going into year end, That's when people tend to fund their 401ks, invest in the stock market and the like. And this year, despite the fact that the S&P 500 is up 20%, we've seen $71 billion come out of U.S. mutual funds and ETFs. And that, to me, is a
3: sign that there's more ahead for the stock market. So sometimes we see that euphoria of people trying to move money into the markets when it's going up, and they're too late to be doing that. We're not seeing that right now. So it would be a good opportunity, again, to rebalance your portfolio and look at what your holdings are. Give us a call if you want some help.
0: Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC.